Hi, you are listening to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. This week's interview is with the wonderful Verena Hefty. Verena is the founder and director at Leaders Plus, an organisation, a social enterprise that is all about putting parents of young families right at the centre of their career journey. Verena doesn't believe that young children and having a young family should be a barrier to enhancing and developing your career. And I couldn't agree with her more. Listen to us discuss the tricks of balancing a young family with a career and find out more about what Leaders Plus does. Perhaps you'll want to sign up as one of her fellows or offer to mentor one. Tune in, find out more. And welcome to From Inside the Hive with me, Jane Galloway from Quiet the Hive. My guest this morning, I met through work I did at the Leadership Academy, and she is an incredible woman. She is really carving the way and helping people who really need it, that is parents. So I say that from personal experience, but how do you juggle a young family with a blossoming career? And Verena from Leaders Plus is all about trying to make that happen. So good morning, Verena. How are you? Very well, thank you. And thank you for having me on your wonderful podcast. I love how through everything you do, you champion um, the ability for us to, to do what we love um, in, in our lives. And I, I think that's, that's how we connected when we first met me still with a baby on my arms. So Yes, I'm Verena. I'm the CEO and founder of the social enterprise Leaders Plus, which is all about supporting leaders with babies and leaders with young children to continue to progress up the career ladder. Um, because I believe it's essential that we don't have, we shouldn't have to choose between pursuing our ambitious career dreams and doing the things that we love, while also spending time with the children that we love. And hence, we set up the fellowship program that you know about. And uh, yeah. Fantastic. Tell us a little bit about how Leaders Plus came about because I, so I've always made the assumption, but I've never checked with you. I'm assuming that this was um, an idea that blossomed and bloomed and grew much before you decided to have a family. So where did that? No, not at all, actually. So I was definitely, you know, I saw myself on a old fashioned I'm making a hand gesture which you can't see uh, on this podcast but you know like up up the up uh, basically I just I was always very ambitious in my career I was really passionate about getting to the next level probably was a workaholic uh, wasn't sure about whether not to have children then thought I really loved the adventure so went for it and uh, you know you can't move back from that um and I was in my previous career career as I was a southeast director at a charity teach first and um when I had my first baby, I just, it was strange because suddenly my identity completely changed. Not, I, I didn't change, but everyone around me assumed I had. Mm-hmm. And also, don't take this wrong way, but you know, I didn't, like suddenly I, I realized that I really have motherly feelings. And that to me was a surprise um, because I never saw myself as someone like that. Um, so, then I, I, I thought, oh, well, it, it is over now. Do I have to choose? I'm just, in quotation marks, be a mom, which, you know, that whole idea of having, being just a mom is, is wrong anyways, but that's how I thought at the time. And so um, I went to seek out people who were similar to me, but in my local community, a lot of my mom friends, um, you know, 
started uh, career breaks and I just didn't feel like there were there was anyone else who was that ambitious and so I I uh, in order to find friends with the similar aims, I did an event uh, in the House of Commons where I brought together about 60 leaders with about 40 babies to hear from some of the inspirational leaders who have combined careers with young children. Mm. And then suddenly it spirals from there. That's how I started setting up Leaders Plus, a little bit by mistake, I would say, <laughs> just because I, I, I came across seeing how needed it was to support people who want to yeah. progress their careers with young children. Yeah. I think some of the best ideas are, are by mistake quite often, aren't they? They come from a, a sort of a, a, an overexcited conversation or a realisation that actually there's something missing or, yeah, mm. just that, that formation. I was lucky enough to um, be at one of your meetings that you hold um, with babies in the room. And it is, it's joyful. It's absolutely joyful. And what I love about it is it takes the pressure and expectation off everyone in the room. There's no sort of, I have to be very formal. I have to know my career inside out. I have to be a professional. I have to be representative of what I'm there for. And it completely, it's a t total leveler, which I think is mm. just glorious. I think you are right. And that is actually, so I, I spoke to one of our mentors, Laura Harrison, um, you may not know her. She, she always speaks about the idea of, um, bringing the human element into it. And that's exactly what having a baby does. You do have a human, you, you suddenly realize that there's someone else in the room. Um, and it, yeah, it is brilliant for, for the level of conversation. It becomes real, doesn't it? Yeah. When you have babies or dogs as well. Yes. And anything that demands your time, I suppose, <laughs> is, is something. It's interesting what you said about, um, you know, being just a mum you know, as in a singular role of I am a mum and that's my role. It, it's curious, isn't it, that people assume that that will be the identity we take because we're, we're never just a mum. We are a mother, we're, we're a daughter, we may be a, a sister or a spouse or a sibling or a friend or an employee or an employer. We're a whole range of things. So it's really interesting that when you have children, you become a mother and that is your primary identity as seen mm. by society. That is so interesting. And, and there is, unfortunately, there are positive things associated with that in that uh, research shows that you're perceived as more um, diligent, you're perceived as more loving, more warm, mm -hmm. but also you're perceived as less committed to work. So there was an interesting um, research done by the Fawcett Society, which is a feminist charity, and they found that four in 10 people think that mothers are less committed to work than than uh, women and than other women. And I, I really do think that it, on the one hand, you could get really angry about that. But then on the other hand, it's just a case of acknowledging it and then in your own life, doing something about it. Absolutely. And I suppose that's what brings you to the Leaders Plus situation, isn't it? So you, you identified a need and you decided to do something about it. So why, why the focus on parents? Why is it really important to support parents in developing and advancing their career why do they need a bit of extra support and attention well obviously there are lots of other groups that do as well um, so for me it was just a strategic choice to focus on a key key group and then measure the impact that we can have on that um, I don't want this podcast to be depressing but if you look at the gender pay gap 
Sorry, <laughs> you're laughing now, but uh, yeah, I, I, do, I, do, I do apologize. You can cut this out. But so if you look at the gender pay gap, um, it stays relatively, you know, it's not too, too far from each other until you're about 30, which is the average childbearing age for a woman in the UK. But then it really does widen. Um, and a French study has found that per child, the pay gap for a woman increases by another 3%. Now, you know, th th there are some factors at play, and I've just mentioned the commitment uh, perception. Um, also, we do know that, in, in my experience of supporting um, parents, we do know that quite a few people go through the identity shift and feel pressurized to take a back foot step in their career and actually if they want to take a back step in their career that's absolutely fine but where i have an issue is where there's a societal pressure for them to do that i really that, that grinds with me yeah it's, it's not their choice to do that it's something that's foisted upon them it's the assumption that's made by society or by where they're working sometimes you know you I, I've done a lot of coaching with women who are returning to work after maternity leave. And actually what I've found is that mostly going back the first time, they're okay. It's going back after having a second baby. They take such a knock in their confidence. They feel like they are being passed over, that their skills are in doubt, that their commitment is in doubt. And it, it, and they worry that that's just their perception. But I think actually some of the behaviors do back up that it's not just them being paranoid. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And it's really good that you are doing that coaching and all the work through Quite Hive to help people be brave despite the circumstances that they find themselves in. Um, yeah. Yeah. Big, mm. And some of that is about having um, conversations, I think, with, with your line manager and your team or whoever you happen to be working with about your expectation, about their expectations and what your expectations are. Mm. How, how do you think parents can have really good conversations with their line managers, for example? Mm. Well, shall we have a one day workshop about this? <laughs> it's quite, a, it's quite, a, yeah. So obviously, um, so I think the most important thing is to go into any conversation having done the pre-work and the pre-work includes you sitting down exactly and identifying what are your red lines what are the things that you never want to miss and it may be that there's just an, one event a year maybe your nursery christmas play you never want to miss i personally am happy to miss it but <laughs> you know that may be what what it is for you um or maybe you want to be home at a certain time or you don't want any meetings after three o'clock because you know you need to finish stuff between three and four thirty mm. so whatever it is be very clear what your red lines are, like with any negotiation. And then also be clear what your, what your ideal is. And the reason why I'm saying this is because line managers themselves are quite often overwhelmed and insecure about what to do yeah. with people who return to work. And you need to make it easy for them. And especially now we are in a crisis, they have a lot going on. So by telling them, this is what I need, this is how I can make it work, having done the preparatory work your own reflection but also having spoken to other members of your team perhaps perhaps even having spoken to some clients you can trust if you are working in a client-facing professions um to understand how it might um how, how it might work yeah. so Actually, now I answered about how to start preparing for flexible working requests, but I can't remember if that was the question <laughs> you you asked. I think it's the same, isn't it? It's the sort of how do you how do you prepare your line manager for what your expectations might be in, in work? Mm. And I think I think the the conversations around flexible working are really relevant as well, aren't they? So think about um, absolutely what are your lines in the sand. 
and also think about how it might benefit the organization as well so what will you bring so Mm. actually if I'm able to leave or if I'm able to not commit to meetings after three o'clock then I know that I won't be distracted I can use an hour and a half at the end of the day to really be productive I can prepare for whatever meeting might be coming next but there's things about how it how is it going to benefit the organization as well what are they going to get mm. from you? and and the conversation that I really I like your idea of speaking to some clients if you're a client facing the organization you know speak to the, the clients and see how it would impact on them and and also maybe find um have a conversation with other people in the organization who uh had similar challenges or have made flexible working if that's what it is have made that work well in their organization mm, absolutely for that I think mm. and I think so the bottom line is so it is a negotiation situation and it isn't leadership situation you're basically trying to convince your manager to make things easier for you you mm. shouldn't have to do that in an ideal world but let's face it in reality that is what you probably have to do so in order to get what you need uh, and what is probably best for the organization you do need to think about lowering the risk for the manager so for example if you you can say um let's test whatever arrangement you agree for three months or uh i, I you know if if think about what the manager might be worried about and then think about how you can minimize the risk of that going wrong so if they're worried about clients see seeing you as bad um then the answer is oh well i've actually spoken to clients and they think this is going to work etc yeah absolutely there's there's something about um using using that data to your advantage isn't it just really sort of building building your case and there's you know there there will be there will be line managers who completely get it who've had the experience of juggling a career and advancing their career with a young family and they will want to do everything they can to suit Mm. for you and to make it easy for you there are others who've also had the experience but are of the mindset of well I've had it hard so I'm not going to make it easy for you so you have to kind of prepare to meet both personalities along the way I suppose which Mm. does make it complicated if you're not sure who you might be up against who that personality might be but there is Mm. something about there is overwhelm isn't there so how can you have a really good conversation and be explicit as well so if if your concern is that you are being passed over for things name it and talk about you know your commitment to the role I suppose and talk about actually I'd really relish the challenge of doing this because I'm really committed in this role and yes I have a young family and I'm really excited about working in this way and doing x y and z for the clients or for the organization or whatever it might be so I think naming it can be quite useful can't it Mm. Definitely. And, and it's all about those assumptions. So you're, I do also think we need to be really kind to managers because they will make mistakes and not, let's say you might have to have breaks for breastfeeding if that's what you choose to do or expressing milk. And probably a manager is not going to know the detail of exactly how it works uh, unless he or she has gone through it. So if then they do something really silly, like giving you a room to express that has glass windows now assuming that at some point we can be in physical rooms again then do be kind to them and you just have to be super super explicit about what you need and like you say Jane also about what you're worried about the other thing I would say is that because people sometimes do make assumptions of mothers and not just mothers also uh, fathers if fathers work flexibly or or, um, then it is very important to be very clear with um, with your manager about 
your commitment. So just like the broken record, repeat, I'm so excited about coming back. Even if 50% of the time you feel very scared. Uh, I'm really motivated. I still want to progress to the next level. You have to repeat that like a broken record so that it seeps into the consciousness of, of the manager, I would yeah, say. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's like any um, career path that you're trying to carve out. If you want to go places and you want to progress in your career, then you need to talk about it and you need the support and encouragement and the stretch opportunities from your line manager, I suppose. So having those conversations is really valuable. How, mm. how have you found balancing? Uh, so, because I mean, Leaders Plus is an award winning organization, it's phenomenal. Um, it's had far reaching fingers in pies. You've got into all sorts of different sectors, supporting all sorts of different people um, through Leaders Plus. And I, I, how on earth have you managed, do you think, to make it a success while having a young family? What lessons have you? Mm. Well, I think the most important lessons is to do it anyways. <laughs> so everyone doubts themselves. That's just completely normal. Um, am I allowed to be political or non-political? You can do what you want. Okay. So anyways, so I had a conversation the other day with my, with my friend and it's actually all about be more Boris. And the, the idea, you know, that you just do things and you try not to care what people think. In reality, you do care. Mm -hmm. Um, from a practical perspective, if it's just been ring fencing time and prioritizing. So even I think with my second baby, I started having childcare for her um, when she was six months. And I was feeling quite guilty about it because in the UK, that's not the done thing. Mm. And um, it was only half days, but still. And, and, you know, just prioritizing the money, which obviously is never in, in big um, supply if you're a social entrepreneur in a startup. Prioritizing putting the money where childcare is was really the right decision. Um, and then the right decision was to just boldly reach out to a lot of people and have conversations. Um, and then the other right decision was just to get stuff done. So uh, that probably sounds a bit jovial, but it really is about testing things rather than, I mean, I do a lot of thinking and currently I'm in big thinking phase about the strategy for the next five years for Leaders Plus. But um, yeah, it is about getting, you know, starting to test the small ideas that you have yeah. with the, the, the end beneficiaries. So, so the Be More Boris, that's a really interesting slogan, isn't it? It's about doing things and actually opinion be damned. I'm going to do it and I'm going to go with it. And a lot can be accomplished that way. If you just test things out, you can surprise yourself enormously. And um, I'm, a, I'm a massive fan. I don't know whether you've come across Tara Moore. I'm a massive fan of hers. And mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, she was written a, a fantastic book called Playing Big, which I recommend to almost every woman I have a conversation with about any sort of development or comfort, confidence or leadership. She's just phenomenal. Um, and I'm, I'm, I've been training under her as a playing big facilitator. So I'm just, I've taken three days off this week to do my um, sort of assignment, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. But she is, uh, she comes up with this theory that it's, it's just a lab. Whatever you're doing, it's just a lab. It's just a laboratory. You're just testing it out. And if it doesn't work, doesn't work and you move on because it's just a lab so actually if you if you are thinking about how you can make things work testing it out is a is a huge way forward because and seeing it as a lab enables you sometimes to take that brave choice because it's not a commitment 
it's it's not scary it's not it doesn't have to work it doesn't have to succeed you're just testing it out which i really like as a concept and an idea. Mm, yeah i definitely live by that that's brilliant um yeah testing it out is a good one and what did what did you what have you learned do you think that you weren't expecting so i think sometimes our perspectives change you said it was interesting how the motherly feelings that you felt when you became a mom what what else have you learned that you didn't know before you had children about being a parent or about about work i guess about balancing work so for me it's those sort of little little tiny things that make a difference so when i'm when i'm leaving the office at half past four because I have to leave at half past four because if I don't leave at half past four I miss that train and if I miss that train I'm late picking up and if I'm late picking up I get fined 20 quid per 10 minutes for my after school club so I have to leave then but I find it really interesting how many people without children quite often will say oh are you leaving can I just grab five minutes of your time and I've had to get quite bold at saying no you can't I'm sorry please send me an email and I'll pick it up when I get home or I can, I can have a conversation with you on the phone as I journey home, but I cannot stop now and have that conversation. And I never really appreciated the impact of that before I had children. Mm, yeah, I think that's, that's very true. So for me, it probably was about, and again, it has to do with time management. So it's, it's just been a real journey of doing things that are out of my comfort zone. So uh, as a social entrepreneur, you do need to talk to lots of HR directors uh, to try to sell them this brilliant program um, and I used to think that I am obviously I'm a really I think I'm a reasonably good salesperson but um, yeah. I used to think that I needed to go to face-to-face -face meetings and I really felt very uncomfortable doing it over the phone but then guess what when I only had for a period when my baby was very young I only had four half days a week I could not afford to go travel one hour to London, have a one hour meeting and then travel back for an hour. Mm. So I started having these calls via the phone and initially I was feeling uncomfortable, flustered, you name it. But now very, very easy for me to relate to someone on the phone or Zoom or, or whatever other video platform people use. And, and just this, you know, I guess the biggest learning point has been that you do need to challenge your assumptions. Yeah. And this has forced me, having children forced me to challenge assumptions. And, and I think, yeah, go on. The, no, go, you go, go. I think the other thing is that that impact and hours worked is correlated. Mm. Definitely. So I actually, you know, quite often people have this image of entrepreneurs being very, working all hours. And I don't work all hours. I sometimes do work long hours during peak periods, but most of the time I work very reasonable hours. And I also do sometimes go for runs or, you know, Pilates or yoga during the day. Before you came on here, which I'm very impressed with, because it's blooming. I know. <laughs> I know. Can I just point out, we, yeah. we're going to go together, my partner and I, and guess what? I was the only one who was brave enough to <laughs> go into the heat. So I'm very... I'm feeling very smug right now. Um, but yeah, so, so I, do, I have definitely learned a lot about myself. It's funny, isn't it? Because actually making brave choices and knowing your boundaries are so important in so much stuff. So a lot, a lot of the conversa conversations I have are about supporting women to make decisions that push themselves out of their comfort zone because that's where we grow and that's where we develop. And I really, really believe in that. And 
you know, being able to, to just set your boundaries as well helps you sometimes to make those brave choices. So knowing your purpose, setting your boundaries and making brave choices can just leapfrog you forward into a different way of being, I think. But it's a mm. really, really hard thing to do. Um, mm. So testing it out is really important. Yeah, it is true. And you know, one other thing I learned is, so I used to think that you have to be available all hours. And I do have one day a week. So I work four days a week, usually, if there is childcare available. <laughs> um, so I work four days a week and I have one day with my children. And I used to take really important calls during that day with my children. But I very, very rarely do now because I noticed that actually, in terms of the impact, I'm not going to be focused. I might be all day, I might be thinking about what to say during that conversation. Um, and so I'm not present with my kids. And also actually, whether or not there is a result, so whether or not I build a new partnership with that organization isn't going to be dependent on whether or not I'm available on that Friday. And just giving myself my permission to value my time yeah. has been very, very important. That's really, that's really valuable thing to remember so just by being not available on that friday that's not gonna bugger everything up if they want you they want you if they want to have a conversation with you they will find the time so set your boundaries and stick with them and actually if you break your boundaries other people assume it's okay to stretch them too so it's really important to stick to them isn't it absolutely we're, we're um we're recording this during lockdown and it's an interesting time to be a, a parent. So regardless of the age of your parent, uh, the age of your parents, I was going to say the age of your children, whether they are preschool schoolers, whether they're supposed to be taking GCSEs and A-levels or whether they're young adults, you know, the, the impact is huge. Um, I, I'm just thinking about a conversation I had um, from the last podcast I did with Lowry Morgan who was amazing and we were talking about how resilient kids are and we think it's because they just live in the moment don't they so they are so present in that current moment they're not thinking about what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow they're just there and and that can be quite a valuable lesson to grown-ups about being present I think as well isn't it how are Definitely. you finding uh, lockdown well at the risk of making everyone jealous for the last two weeks my girls have been in childcare um, for two days a week and it's been bliss, yeah. absolute bliss. Before that, it was extremely, extremely hard because both, so my partner also runs a social enterprise uh, in the field of mental health um, about at a similar stage at Leaders Plus. And so we're both very busy and we've obviously like many others have done shift work to look after our kids. Uh, we've worked between Monday and Saturday, every, every day person half a each of us would look after the kids for half a day and work for half a day and that definitely has taken its strange but strain but there were also moments of of beauty so so I for example um I never I, I consider myself as someone who's not very good at doing early years stuff so I don't really get in the flow of playing with children mm -hmm. I definitely what I do is I take children out and we have fun outside but I would you would never find me inside the house yeah. with the children and I've really learned again that actually my assumption that it's impossible for me to entertain my children and be in the moment and have fun um it that has really been turned upside down yeah. um yeah but I've also learned that actually for the children the most important thing is that 
we, uh, so um, my, my partner and I, that we are in a really good place and that it's totally okay to prioritize ourselves. And yes, we've actually given them time in front of the TV just so that we could relax mm -hmm. and didn't have to rush. And that is just such a valuable, yeah, that was a le valuable learning point for me that it's okay to put yourself first. Yeah, yeah. And, and actually it's all right for children. So mine are a bit older than yours, mine are eight and nine, but it's okay for them to get bored as well. Like the, the, today you're not allowed to get bored. There's always things to do. And it's really important to allow kids to get bored so they end up creating their own journeys and identities and, and games and sillinesses. And that, I think, yeah, observing that is really fun. Yes, I, yeah, I agree. And I do think not just for children, also for adults, it's important. So the, the, there is beauty in getting bored. And for me, I started Leaders Plus partly because I had time to think during maternity leave and of course having a very young busy a baby is very busy but also you have, have or I had an emptiness in my brain uh, because I didn't have work anymore and and so the idea formed yeah. um yeah and so I do think we need to create space for boredom absolutely and and I tried this um so to my to my shame i'm just thinking it was probably right at the beginning of lockdown and i managed it once but i did challenge myself to sit for 20 minutes with nothing no book no notepad no phone just sat in the garden and looked at the sky looked at the grass did nothing and it was surprisingly hard i had to prepare myself to do it it was really ridiculous but you do get out of the habit of doing it don't you and when i was young i remember constantly being bored but never for long i always found something mm. to do it's a it's a thing isn't it it's really interesting so mm. i wanted to talk to you you said you didn't want to to um make the podcast depressing um i think we would be remiss not to mention though the impact that um that lockdown that coronavirus is having on women particularly mothers i think i feel like i've been pivoted back to the 1950s i am um my 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 partner and I are, are, are separated but we're sharing the house and he's a, a brilliant dad absolutely phenomenal and um, but he's going out to work um because he that's part of his role is he has to go out to work um but I find myself pivoted back to the 1950s I'm doing all of the cooking all of the housekeeping all of the schoolwork, all of the my my full-time role plus quiet the hive um plus I am chief counselor peacekeeper entertainer etc and i can really see and feel the concern from other women around what this is doing to their careers and to their mental health as well and i wondered mm. how what your thoughts were around yeah uh, thank you so much for bringing that up um we do have to recognize it and the research really supports what you've said there's been a has been an interesting study by the institute for fiscal studies which you've probably seen that shows that one, women are more likely to be furloughed, and we also know that people who are furloughed are more likely to be made redundant. Uh, we also know that men have contributed a lot more to childcare um, than before. However, uh, that has increased a lot more for women. So exactly that picture of uh, women being expected to take on the, the giant bulk of the childcare and housework is, is there. But then there's the other element that fathers are expected by their employers. Yeah. to do most of the basically they are expected to continue as as before and employers assume that even if they don't have children there will be a wife somewhere obviously very heteronormative there will be a wife somewhere who will deal with all the 
um, cooking, cleaning, entertaining, homeschooling, and whatnot. And and we do have to change that. I, I think as a a message of of hope is that so yes, this is tough, and I do think there will be long term. Um, systemic issues um, and, and uh, I've interviewed Professor Ro Rosie Campbell last week on the Leaders with Babies podcast so she's given quite an interesting view of, of that but on a message of hope is that we are probably going to all work until 70 so this isn't the end of anyone's career as it is and, and this period will at some point come to an end um, but I would say is is to prioritize your mental health but also to make sure that you are prioritizing the things that you love and if you do love work then find find a way to do that and, and um not to be overly can I, can I mention about the you know the couples discussion well, you know, i was going to bring that up so yes do because it's a wonderful piece of work that you do through leaders plus i love this idea yeah so we do workshops with the our fellows on the program and their partners if they have them uh, for uh, um, to really think about how to support each other what their joint vision is for their careers and family lives and how to support each other and also look at the research um, about the impact that a partner can have on a career and in a nutshell it's massive and I think the, the big learning point from that is if having small regular conversations about what your aims are and how those aims are being met by the day-to-day -day right now, that's incredibly valuable. If you have not, if you only have five minutes, if you can on a Friday have a five-minute cup of tea with each other and share what your long-term aims are for your career and for your family and the key critical day-to-day -day things that you can do to help you achieve that, that's incredibly valuable. And my research shows that even when the day-to-day -day is tricky having that long-term conversation does does help um, and there are a couple of other things um, as well that you can do um, as, as, a, as a couple so um, yeah, I don't want to make the whole podcast about this but the important thing is do have the conversation. I, I think it's just such a brilliant aspect of some of the advantages that the fellows get from being on your program. I think that couples conversation is so important because I think a lot of the reason we're in this situation in terms of women feeling like they've been pivoted back to the 1950s is exactly what you say. So, so um, you know, my, my um, ex-partners work assume and always have done throughout our married life, assume that he will be able to prioritize his work, that yes, he has children, but he also has a wife and the wife will do everything. Well, actually, you know, I have a career too and that's not the case, but they've made that, those assumptions. Mm. When lockdown came, I automatically went into, right, this is what the kids need. And that was the mode that I took. And we didn't have a discussion about, okay, this is what's going to happen. How are we going to split that up? And we've, we've had that later on as we've gone, but we didn't sit down at the beginning. There was assumptions that we, we all made. We just went back into our sort of, I suppose, a bit of a gender stereotype, you know, well, I'll do this and I'll take on this responsibility and I'll do that because you just get on with it. That's what, what you're pivoted into. So I think those conversations are so important and cannot mm -hmm. be underestimated. Definitely. And I really do like this focus that you have quite a high on getting the life and the career that you want and starting from what you want. And I do think, especially in a period like this, and I know none of us have time right now, but especially in a period of, like this, even if you can just take 10 minutes to write down what you want someone 
to say uh, about you at your 70th birthday mm. that really helps and, and even if you can make small course corrections today uh, that helps you to feel a sense of agency and that to feel that yes I'm making tiny steps in the direction that I want to do and, and doing that with your partner as well absolutely if you have one absolutely I've, I've um, uh, released a, my, my first online program called the compass which is all about helping women to identify what it is they want so sometimes we, we don't know what's important to us we've kind of put everyone else's priorities first and we've forgotten what our own priorities are so the compass is about tapping into those and I, I think what you've said is right you know if you only get 10 minutes sit down and brainstorm what your values are or mm. work out what you want people to say at your eulogy you know what what is it that you, what's the legacy you want to leave behind even if it's just you know if it feels a bit silly just lean into it and go with it bit of mm. journaling every day about what you've learned or what you've noticed about your strengths or what you're grateful mm. for small small things can really help you to find your focus and your purpose I think mm. definitely all the things we've discussed around setting out your boundaries and things mm. and I like the focus on purpose so the idea that what is it that you're ultimately here for um Erminia Ibarra wrote an interesting article about career planning during this coronavirus time and she argued that it's absolutely okay to have three or four different visions in your head right now because the world is confusing and it is changing um, and actually giving yourself permission to acknowledge that and say yes I want to think about the future and what I can do today to increase my chances of getting there but actually it's fine if I don't um, if I don't have clarity um, and the other thing just to say is, you know, we're saying all these brilliant things uh, about what to do and both of us have dedicated some time to doing these things. But just to be kind to our, yourself and celebrate yourself, even if you do one minute of journaling, that's already a massive success. And, um, that, you know, be, be kind to, to yourself. We are in a crisis. It's, it's definitely not normal times. No, it really isn't. And we are too quick to feel guilty about not giving 100% of ourselves to 100% of the things 100% of the time. And you just, you can't. And sometimes, do you know what? You've got to the end of the day and you haven't thumped anyone. That that can be a, a good thing if you're living with adults or you've got to the end of the day and all your children are alive. That's a good thing. You know, they're happy, they're healthy, they are coping. And I think the kids, I'm so impressed with how children are coping during lockdown because they're mm. just getting on with it. Um, I know. Feeling guilty about being indoors all the time, or they're not feeling guilty about the time they spend in the food, or they're not feeling guilty about not seeing the people they should see, or making the effort, or tidying their bedrooms because they're just so in the present moment. And so we we mustn't be too hard on ourselves. That kindness thing, I think, is really important. Very true. So lockdown has had an impact. We know that sometimes it's really, really difficult to be a parent and forge forward with a career. If people are listening and they are managers or they own businesses or they're in a position where they can clearly identify how they can influence um, supporting parents to prioritise their careers, what can businesses do? What advice would you give to businesses about how they can support their working parents? First of all, they need to look at their data. And that's boring but it's important. So they need to look at what's going on. For example, the gender pay gap. Is it driven largely by part-time work? And for most businesses, it is. So are your part-time employees per hours, which usually are women, are they paid less per hour than full-time employees? 
And if yes, then change that. Then look, uh, many companies measure and, and employers measure retention after maternity or share parental leave. So do people stay in the job? That's a fair enough measure. But very important is to measure progression. Do people progress up the ladder? Because very often what happens is that if when people come back, they tend to get stuck. And so once you have that data, then you can influence your board because in the end it's going to be your board that will set whether this is a priority or not. So I think that's the most important step. And then look at the evidence base. So look at what works. Um, we do know that um, um, so, I mean, again, I could do a full day workshop on this, um, but for, you know, there are a couple of things that do, do work. So look at the evidence base and then implement that. Uh, and a very simple um, thing to do to start is to make sure that every single um, manager in your, in, in your employee, um, uh, sorry, every single manager that you employ is supported to do flexible working and that there is a no tolerance policy for um, flex rejecting flexible working requests that are. So I, I think actually the best thing to do is to have flexible working for all, Not, but there are other things that matter to support parents' career progression, not just flexible working. Yeah, I love that I hadn't thought about that, about the retention and not just about who you're retaining, but how they're progressing afterwards. There's so many people who get stuck in their jobs because they've got, for example, a flexible working pattern and they're terrified of leaving because they don't think they'll get at that anywhere else. So they just don't progress. Mm, exactly, exactly. But it can be changed. There's no excuse for that. It really isn't. And um, with the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme, we do evaluate because it's a social enterprise. And we've seen that with the first cohort, more than a third has been promoted already. And those are people who've been uh, on the programme two years ago and they all have toddlers or babies or by now I guess preschoolers and not you know not to so I guess the bottom line is that it is possible and there's no excuse for it not to be done in what you don't have to go on the Leaders Plus Fellowship Programme there are other ways of doing it but it is possible. If people are listening and they're intrigued about the Leaders Plus um, Fellowship where would they find out more and how can they apply? Um, so the simplest way is to go on the Leaders Plus website, which is www.leadersplus.org.uk and you can register interests and find out um, about applications and to apply it's a simple application form and it's a nine month programme. And if people are thinking, gosh, what an amazing programme, I wish that had been around when I had young kids, my kids are now older, how can I support this programme? What could you invite them to do? So. Um, Two things. One, we always look for fantastic senior leader mentors um, who are, have been in senior roles and have experience of combining careers with young children who really believe in this mission of helping people to progress their careers and also enjoy their young children. And uh, then secondly, I said I am good at sales, but I really don't enjoy it. But you, as a social entrepreneur, you do have to do it. So if you can introduce me to any um, leaders who might be able to support the program, um, as in send fellows on the program, then that, that's wonderful. Absolutely. And all your contact details are on your website. That's right. Uh, well, I might as well just give it now. So you can get on. I don't think actually my email address is on my website. Uh, my email address is verena at leadersplus.org.uk or you can also follow on social media on at leaders underscore plus. Brilliant. Brina, I am just, every time I speak to you, I just think you are a wealth of 
knowledge and expertise and generosity. I adore your programme and I think it's doing phenomenal things. One thing I did want to ask you, so for those women who are listening thinking, well, I'm not a senior leader, I don't, I'm not, no way, I'm not senior. How, how can you encourage people to um, identify as actually having something of value and worth and being a leader? Because quite often as women, we're slow to identify as leaders. So I think um, from a philosophical level, it's just to acknowledge that statistically women um, are much less likely to apply for something if um, they don't have uh, if they think they're not meeting all the criteria so i mean you will know this that there's um, some famous research that men tend to apply to a position when they fulfill 60 percent of the um, job spec and for women it's more it's closer to a hundred percent so women need to think that they fulfill everything to apply and if that's the case then i think just ignore it and i definitely live by that maxime so i always always um recognize when i think i don't fit into that room or i can't contribute and then i think oh yeah well it's just you know it's just the statistics it's just what i've been socialized to do so let's i'm gonna do it anyways i love that i love that just statistics do it anyway Farina thank you so much for your time I've loved our conversation and um, I look forward to speaking to you again soon like likewise and I really love the work that you do with quite a hive it's it's brilliant and very impressive how you fly the flag for these important issues while at the same time still hold, holding down a full-time role uh, and juggling children thanks so much speak soon Farina thank you <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that. I love talking to Verena. Her work is so well grounded in research and it's so compelling to hear her talk about why she is so passionate that parents need support to make sure their careers don't languish while their families flourish. If you're interested in flexible working, you could do worse than to check out TimeWise, which is another organisation working to establish flexible working patterns and encouraging flexible working culture in different organisations. You might also want to tune in next time when I will be talking to the wonderful Annie Auerbach. She is the author of Flex, the modern woman's handbook, reinventing the rules for a smarter, happier life. And she's going to be fantastic. So stay tuned for that one. Please let us know any comments or anything that comes up to you from this conversation. We really love to hear your feedback. Take care. If you enjoyed this podcast from Inside the Hive by Quiet the Hive, then please leave us a five-star rating or drop us any comments in the box below. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Any comments or ratings you give us all help other people who would benefit from the content to find us. Thanks so much.